Good morning. Uh, thank you all. Thank you, Heather, for the welcome this morning. And thank you for, for welcoming to your church. It's, it's the first time I've been here, and it's lovely. I walked in, and, and I said to Ruth, I said, wow, it's a really, it's a really big church. It's fantastic. I've driven past, I'm from Gloucester, born and bred, um, and I've never been in here. It's just amazing. So thank you so much for, for having me this morning. Um, so my name's Kevin Howie. I'm the general manager at Gloucester City Mission, um, and it's a real privilege for me to be able to say that. Uh, it, it's a fantastic job. It, it's a fantastic place to work for. And um, just that song there, Were You There? Well, for us, we try to be there all the time, and we believe that Jesus is there all the time to support the guys and the clients that, that need our help. For those of you who don't know too much about uh, GCM, it was established in 2003, and basically, we're there to share the love of Jesus. And what we want to do is share that love of Jesus with the people on the streets. And we do this by sitting with them, we pray with them, and we offer them basic necessities to survive. And since it was started in 2003, we've grown significantly. We currently have a staff team of 10, and we have just over 65 volunteers who regularly come out and, and help us with our work. And what we try and do as a staff and, and volunteer group is we offer love, we offer care, we offer support, we offer hope, and we offer transformation to clients. And that's to any clients. This is, could be somebody who's homeless, it could be somebody who's um, rough sleeping, it could be somebody who's vulnerable in their community. Um, and anybody who is homeless or, or rough sleeping, we try to get them into temporary accommodation, but we also try and move them on with their lives as well. Why do we do this? Well, for us, we do it because the Bibles tell us very clearly that we need to do this. We need to help those in need. Deuteronomy 15.11 says, For there will never cease to be poor in the land. Therefore, I command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother and sister, to the needy and to the poor in your land. This is what we seek to do at Gloucester City Mission. We believe the Bible tells us how we should, how we should support the poor, the oppressed and the outcast. It, refer, it refers frequently to these issues as bringing about justice for these people. The vast majority of the people we work with are just like you and me. It's just that many have suffered severe trauma in their lives and this leads to significant impact on people's mental health. But that doesn't matter to God. God loves all of us, whatever baggage we're carrying. John 3.16 tells us this when he says, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son to die for us. And this means all of us. It doesn't matter about our circumstances. In this morning's gospel reading from John, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. The words he shares are just hours before he knows he's going to be arrested, tried and nailed to a cross. He knows his disciples are going to be under stress from the outside and within. He also realizes that in the temporary now, it is going to feel like the powers of the world have won. So he says to them, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Not should, not might, not just attempt to. He says you must. It's an imperative. It's a command. It's a new law from Jesus. You must love one another. And he gives the reason why in verse 35. In this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So the world will know that we are his disciples by the quality of our love for one another. Now, we need to see that there are two sides to Jesus' statement. On one side, Jesus makes it clear that our, beloved, that our love becomes a witness to the world around us. Our love becomes a light in the world of darkness. If we love one another, the wider world will see a people with diverse opinions, from diverse backgrounds, in diverse situations, and with diverse skill sets. And they will all say, how is it that these Christians don't just get along, 
but they actually love one another. And so I repeat, our love becomes a light in the world of darkness. It becomes our strongest tool for sharing the gospel because that's what the world should look like. The flip side of, the, of this, though, is that if we don't love each other, we're living in disobedience to the commandments of Jesus Christ. And so, therefore, God's kingdom won't advance if we're tearing each other apart. Now, although, love, although God loves all of creation, he has a special heart for the poor. And as I said earlier, we see this frequently in the Bible. Speak up for all who are destitute. It's in Proverbs 31, verse 8. And when talking about the oppressed and the outcast, Jeremiah says in 22.3, this is what the Lord says, do what is just and right, rescue from the hand of the oppressor the one who has been robbed. Do no wrong or violence to the foreigner, to the fatherless or the widow. So how does this look in practice at GCM? Well, we try, we do try to live this out in our work. Our aim is to be more than just an aid agency though. We don't want to just offer food and drinks and clothes and prayer. We want to transform lives and give people hope and opportunities to flourish. Over the past two years, we've really changed the way we approach this. We now have outreach teams going out into the city centre five days a week, offering food, drinks and prayer. We have Renew. This is our new building down in Eastgate Street, and this is our main offices. It's a drop-in centre. It's an education and training centre, and it's also the home of the winter shelter. We have Refresh. This is our weekly hot lunch service, and we now run this out of St. Mary's Congregational Church. But it's more than just being a time of hot food. It's a time of fellowship. It's a time of social interaction. It's a time for those people who are feeling isolated to get together and meet up with others. And Pat comes regularly to, to our Wednesday lunches. Restore is our shop down in Southgate Street. It's not really a shop, we call it a shop, but it's a place where clients can come to get fresh clothes and toiletries and emergency provisions, and everything's free. Everything's donated and everything's free. We have our Revive Coffee House. I always put an advert out for this. It's in the Eastgate Shopping Centre. It's the best homemade cakes in the city. It's amazing. Please pop in. Everything is ethically sourced as well. Um, but the important thing about Revive is that it's there to offer employment to people who've experienced homelessness or addictions. It's not just a place for you to come for a cup of coffee and to have worship music on in the background. It's a place where we can offer people opportunities to move on with their lives. We have our mobile outreach teams, um, and this is where staff will go out further away from the city centre to places where we know that there are rough sleepers sleeping out in the woods or up in the hills or in different parts. So we go and do wellbeing checks on them. Um, we have Replenish, this is a, a storage space that we have, it's a warehouse space where we keep all our stuff. And then we have Refuel, and Refuel is a monthly worship session, and this is a place for clients to come, but also for staff, for volunteers, and for anybody to come uh, on a lunchtime. If you want to come and have some worship and some prayer, everybody is welcome. There are details on the website. So I mentioned about Renew, this is our new education and training centre. And in there we offer courses and multi-agency drop-in sessions five days a week. We now have a free opticians clinic that's been built in there. And this is open every Monday for clients to come for free eye care and free glasses. It's these small things that people can't get normally. Uh, the next plan is to hopefully get a dentist put in there as well. Um, we also have, though, drop-in sessions with street vets, with probation, with the DWP, and with the City Council Housing Department, um, as well as other organisations and other charities in the city. This week, for example, we've had courses on crafts, gardening, basic skills, 
literacy, football, music therapy, Narcotics Anonymous and art courses, as well as our discipleship course. We continue to run alpha courses for clients. We run these twice a year. The most recent was a true blessing. We had eight clients who turned up regularly every week throughout the alpha and then have the away day as well, three of whom have started going to church. Um, we have plans for other courses around independent living, such as cooking and budgeting, financial support and job support. Now, through our work and our daily lives, Jesus tells us to perform our own small miracles. In lots of ways, we see ourselves as junior partners of Jesus. There are many examples, though, in the Bible of how the disciples did this as well. Matthew 17, verse 14 to 27, where Jesus performed the miracle of paying the tax collector with Peter by encouraging him to catch the fish with a shekel in his mouth. Jesus didn't need Peter to do that. He could have done that himself. In the story about the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus gets the disciples to take the platters of food around, so the crowd, around the crowd, sorry. So through their faith, they are the ones feeding people. It doesn't say in the Bible at all about the disciples coming back to Jesus to restock the platters. It's the disciples that took them out. Over the course of the year, our staff and volunteers have many God incidents, and I just wanted to share a couple with you this morning. Um, one stood out from last August. I'd finished a meeting in town and was heading back to the office. And, you know, sometimes you just have an urge to go in a different direction. I was meant to go back to the office, and I thought, no, I'm going to go this way. I'm going to go down to Wednesday lunch. Um, I hadn't been down for a little while, and I just thought, I'll, I'll just go down. When I got there, everything was going well. Uh, the NHS were giving out test kits to the clients. Food was being served. Hot drinks were being served. Everything was great. About half past 11, uh, Louise, one of our staff, she's our winter shelter manager, came over to me and asked if, she could, if I could come and chat with a first-time client called Michael. Michael was an army veteran. He was from the northeast. He'd come to Gloucester a few days before and had been sleeping rough. I got chatting to him. He explained a bit about his past. I won't talk too much about it now. But he was clean from drugs. Uh, he didn't drink alcohol. He just needed a break. He'd been in Cardiff the previous week, but he couldn't get any support there, so he'd made his way to Gloucester. Uh, Louise had met him the first time the previous day, and he'd said that she could pray for him. He told me at this point he hadn't actually wanted to come for food. He kind of just wanted to keep himself to himself that day. But he just had an urge to come for food that morning. So Lou and I chatted to him about um, different things and about what we could do. And we just felt at this point, right, we will try. We will always try our best for everybody that we come across. And so I contacted Emmaus. We work with lots of charity partners across the city. Emmaus have accommodation. So I contacted Joe, the manager there, just on the off chance that they have spaces. Now, the thing you need to realise is that the reality of emergency accommodation, emergency accommodation in the city is that it's really, really hard to find short, um, accommodation at, at short notice. So we said, explain this to Michael. We're always honest. We said, look, chances are very slim. We will try our best, but chances are slim. You'll probably have to sleep rough again tonight. We can't get you anywhere else. He had no local connection, so the, the council couldn't necessarily help him at that point. Um, anyway. Long story is, later that day, we had a phone call back from um, Emmaus saying so they got him in, and he was now settling into his new home. And it's just these small things. But the real beauty of this story is that a few weeks later, we checked up um, on him again, and, um, and we had the message that what Emmaus had done is they'd found his son, who lived away from the city, and they'd relocated him back to his son. And this is somebody who couldn't get home. He just couldn't get there. He had no means to get back. And as far as we know, they're now back together, and he's settled. Even last week, though, uh, we had another case. Um, there, there was a sad case. Somebody had made a suicide attempt based on his addictions and just seeing no way out. He was prayed for at that time, or we prayed for when we saw him afterwards. 
And when they were praying for him, they said, look, Jesus can help you. Jesus is there to help you. Uh, later in the week, this is genuinely true, this guy ran up to the staff member who'd prayed for him. He gave her a huge hug, told her how since being prayed, he'd been put into housing, had his benefits reassessed, given a support worker, been given mental health support that he was desperate for. He was washed, he was in clean clothes, and he said, do you know what? There might be something in this Jesus bloke, and it's things like that. So we're encouraging him to sign up for the next Alpha course. We're encouraging all the different clients that we come across to do this. These are just some of the stories. There are many, many stories over the years that we've had. Um, most of them are, can be incredibly happy and sad, uh, incredibly happy and full of hope. Some of them are incredibly sad. We have, we have lots of sad things that go on. But the key things about the stories is they highlight how partnership work in particular can work very effectively. Um, and see how God can engender powerful transformative encounters in that. So let's just break for a quick sec, and we're going to have a quick quiz. I'm just going to throw some questions out at you. We're, there are no prizes, all right? We're a charity. We don't do prizes. <sighs> um, so, quick quiz. Uh, you just think to yourself, all right? So, which of these words describes someone who's homeless? This is for everybody, right? For you guys as well. So, everybody. Which of these words describes someone who's homeless? Uh, a rough sleeper, somebody in temporary accommodation, sofa surfers, or somebody in emergency housing. So just have a quick thing. We're not going to do hands up or any of that. We've got other things to do. So which of those words? Somebody is homeless. Rough sleeper, somebody in temporary accommodation, sofa surfer, or emergency housing. OK, so the answer to that one is probably, hopefully, quite obvious. It's all of them. All right, so the term homeless covers a huge, broad band and spectrum of people and their needs. It isn't just the rough sleepers. It isn't people who you see begging. There's a huge spectrum of people who are there who are considered homeless. Um, how many rough sleepers are there officially? So according to the city council, how many rough sleepers are there officially in Gloucester? Would that be zero to five, five to 10 people, 10 to 15 people, or 15 to 20? How many officially do you think there are rough sleeping in Gloucester? 15 to 20? Five, sorry, in yeah, about 15, 20. Okay, so officially there are seven. Officially there are seven people um, in Gloucester. Now, we work on average between 80 to 90 clients a week. Um, our winter shelter this year, uh, we reduced the capacity because we had to because of COVID. We had 54 different individuals who stayed in the winter shelter for at least one night this year. The official number, though, is seven. Now, just within the city itself, we've got four, possibly five at the moment, one might have moved on, um, who are entrenched rough sleepers. And so those are people who are in camps. You wouldn't necessarily know where they were. You wouldn't see them. They're hidden away. They're tucked away. But straight away. To be fair, a lot of the guys you might see in town begging, a lot of those people are in accommodation. Even if you see them at 7 o'clock in the morning, lying in a doorway with a mattress, some of them will get up out of their accommodation at 5 o'clock, drag their mattress and their duvet to that place, and will... Um, sit there begging for the day. The way we see that, though, is if that's the lifestyle you need to do, if that's where your mental health is at the moment, that that's the only thing you can do in your day, they still need God's love. They still need some care. They still need some attention. So please don't sort of dismiss any... I'm not suggesting you, but please don't dismiss people um, if they're begging. Please offer whatever support you can. Uh, what's the official number of rough sleepers in the whole of the UK? So we're saying there are seven officially in Gloucester. What's the official number in the UK? I'll give you three actual figures here. Um, 2,688, 5,499, 
or 11,018. It's the official number of rough sleepers, so not homeless. If we're talking homeless, the official number is about 350,000. This is rough sleepers, just rough sleepers. 2,688, 5,499, 11,018. Okay, so the actual answer is 2,688. That's the official number according to government statistics. Um, the problem with that is that in London, they now do a different tracking system, and it's something we've just implemented with the council and P3 in Gloucester, where we literally, every week, we will share all of our data that we have from the outreach teams and the mobile outreach teams. We share that with the council. We know people's names, we know their ages, we know their travel details, we know what they've been doing, we know where they're staying, what they need. We share all that data with the council. Now, using that same system in London, there were 11,018 people in London alone in 2020 and 21, based on what's called the Combined Homelessness and Information Network. So that's all the different charities sharing their information. So although the official figure is 2,688, in London alone uh, in 2020 to 2021, there were over 11,000 people. So final question, approximately how many references are there in the Bible referring to people in poverty or those who are marginalized. So how many references in the Bible? I've, I, I, I once talked to Dean Stephen, who's now gone to be Bishop Salisbury. I once said this. I haven't fact-checked this, Dean Stephen. I'm really sorry. I just Googled it. So approximately how many references are there in the Bible? Uh, 50, 100, 200, 400, 800, or 2,000? How many references to people in poverty or marginalized are there in the Bible telling us um, that there are people out there? 2,000? Okay, so 50, 100, 200, 400, 800, 2,000. Okay, so in the Bible, there are 400 references-ish telling us to help people who are less fortunate than ourselves, but there are around 2,000 references to there being people in society who are poor and needy. So the Bible is very clearly telling us to go out and help people, to love one another, to love your neighbor, to love everybody we can. Were you there? Hopefully we were. So anyway, thank you again for inviting me in to talk about our work. We're trying to do good things. Now the term do-gooder is often used in our society to describe someone negatively. But Jesus constantly enabled other people to do good through him. Paul writes to Titus and says, remind the people to be ready to do whatever is good. That's Titus 3, uh, 3 verse 1. So, the, uh, so if I'm a do-gooder, I'm very happy to be one. That's okay. Um, the notion of doing good is, also oft, uh, is often, of course, quoted by John Wesley. Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, and as long as ever you can. So again, I repeat, if that makes us do good as great. As well as helping people practically, though, we also try to help them spiritually. We try and share the love of Jesus, and we encourage them gently towards faith. We work with anybody who wants our help. You don't have to be a Christian to come and work with us. You don't have to be a Christian to come and volunteer with us. You certainly don't have to be a Christian to have our help. Our Alpha courses, though, these are for clients, and our discipleship courses, we very cleverly called them the beta course. We couldn't think of anything else at the time. So we've got alpha courses, we've got beta courses, and these are run for clients. Each are run twice a year. Um, what we try and do with these is we plant seeds of faith in their hearts, and that we hope that these seeds of faith will take root and grow. We love that churches and individuals share in our work, and there are a number of ways in which you can do this. 
Firstly, and most importantly, please continue to pray for our clients. Please pray for our clients all the time, throughout the year, not just during the winter, but throughout the year. Please also pray for staff and volunteers. Maybe as a church, you could do a fundraising event for us. Maybe you could take part in the Big City Sleepout. This is our annual event that we run in, in October um, around, the uh, around the weekend of World Homeless Day. We have lots of um, big sleepouts across the whole city. Maybe as a church, you could get involved with that. Or maybe you'd like to come and help and do some volunteering. There are lots of things. It doesn't involve necessarily going out and doing outreach. There are lots of other ways you can come and volunteer with us. We would, of course, love more of you to support us financially. I, I, I don't shy away from this. This is the bit that I hate the most. But we do rely on people's support financially. It, costs, it now costs us over £14,500 per month to operate. Uh, we still rely purely on donations and fundraising and grants. We don't take any lottery funding. We don't take any statutory government funding. We rely purely on donations, fundraising, and grants. Um, next year's budget, so at the moment, is looking at £280,000. So we, we do rely on, on the local community to help us. And that £14,500 a month is on top of the £34,000 it costs us to run the winter shelter each year. It's an amazing blessing, but God has continued to provide us as we've continued to grow. Um, as you leave, I will be stood at the door. Um, I've got a bucket. I'm not going to shake the bucket in your faces. I'm not going to... Please don't. If you want to come and talk about any of our work, please do. Um, but I will be stood around at the end um, with, with a bucket. I also have some regular giving forms and some gift aid envelopes. But I also appreciate it's Christian Aid Week this week. And I know you're going to be taking an envelope home with that as well. Please give to Christian Aid. They're an awesome, amazing charity. So please do give to Christian Aid. And if there's any way to support us. Um, that'll be great. I will also have a contactless card reader because I know as well, I'm very astute and very aware that lots of people don't have cash. So I will have a card reader as well uh, if you wanted to. Uh, and there will also be, I'll leave this at the church, hopefully if that's right, Heather, if people wanted to make, even make a small text donation, that'd be great. Um, but beyond that, if you want to just find out and stay up to date with, with information about our work, um, please visit our website. Uh, it details around, but it's just glosscitymission.org.uk. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter and on Instagram and LinkedIn. Um, you could go to our, onto our website and sign up for our monthly newsletter if, if you wanted to keep up regularly with what we're doing. But please contact us as well. Please just get in touch. If you have any questions or if you've got any queries or if you come across somebody that you're not sure about, if there are incidents or, or if you have concerns, please do contact us. We will try to do whatever we can. Very happy to come out to talk to schools or to companies or to other organisations as well, if you want us to. So before I close, um, please can we just pray together, if that's okay. Father God, thank you that we experience your amazing grace, your love and your faithfulness through Jesus. Thank you that he seeks justice and proclaims the cause of righteousness. Help us, like him, to have a concern for the poorest of the poor and the needy in our country and to give generously in whatever ways we can. Please wrap your protection over those who use the services of GCM, as well as those of us who work there and those who volunteer with us. And also continue to offer your love to them all. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for having me this morning, and I will be around afterwards if anybody has any questions. Thank you. <laughs>